0: prepared for injection with another lethal dose of that performance enhancing audio it's UFC 240 week get fired up we got a lot to talk about we will preview that card in depth hey we got a video preview little bonus you can check out on YouTube of that card we'll look back on UFC San Antonio hit you with all the news and notes only reminder for you folks is if you like what you hear please five star review Apple Podcasts uh, I don't know, so- Songify, Spotify, Tinder, wherever you're swiping, swipe it right in our direction. Let me bring in the Hall of Famer himself, Sugar Rashad Evans back on the pod where he belongs. How is it, my man?
1: It's going good, baby. How are you doing?
0: Oh, it's fight week, so I'm I'm fired up, you know what I mean? I'm <laughs> less than um forty eight hours removed from a nine day trip to Vegas. So, you know, that's enough to want to kill yourself, but I'm back, right? <laughs> all right? Pacquiao action hey you know people want to hear that let me bring in our, our, our our the third man in this booth CBS Sports editor writer former left tackle by the way North Boca High class 5A state champions 2002 it's Brandon Wise coming at you
2: What's up, BC? Maybe one day you'll get all those facts correct. All right.
0: (laughs) Yes. OK. Fellas, uh, I know this is an MMA pod. We got a lot of Edmonton coming at you, 240, Frankie Edgar, Max Holloway, all that good stuff. Uh, Rashad, you popped for Pacquiao this weekend, though? I was ringside. I called it an instant classic. Did you get them feels across your TV screen?
1: I did. I got those feels, man. I was just absolutely blown away. You know, from the start of the bell, Pacquiao just looked to be on a different level in and out movement, progression on his punches, uh, just seemed to 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 have it figured out, and no fear, no fear of getting to the exchanges, taking a shot, none of that. Uh, you seen a Pacquiao that looked like the Pacquiao before he got knocked out yes. by Marquez, you know, and, and that that was a surprising Pacquiao to see because before the fight, I was like, uh, I don't know, man, this is Keith Thurman, he's he's too big. You know, he's got the reach, he's got the youth, that, that youth. he's going to sun Pacquiao, and Pacquiao went out there and put on the clinic.
0: And he tried to sun him, and I think that's what made the fight so good, that Keith tried to be everything we thought he could be. Pacquiao was just better. Hey, Brando, score one for the old guys, right? Rashad going to the Hall of Fame, your boy BC living it up on birthday week, going to turn 41, and now Pacquiao. This is a tr- it happens in threes, greatness happens in threes, Brandon.
2: It does, it does. But you also didn't ask Rashad how he scored the fight. Oh, I wanted to hear don't, his don't, take about your you? your scorecard on that fight. BC,
0: uh, look, people, Rashad, people don't understand what round by round scoring means, right? Like, it doesn't mean it's this ain't pride, right, bro? It's not like, oh well, that guy got the knockdown. He looked better. He wins. No, he, there's a math equation involved. You know this. All right.
1: Yeah, yeah. So what was your math equation towards the end (laughs) of the fight?
0: By the end, when you total it all up, I had a seven rounds to five for Keith Thurman. So people want to say, oh, you're blown. You're horrible. You're an American Yankee. I got got that. I got a lot of go kill yourself (laughs) on, on Twitter. Look, there are things like bad scorecards, right? Uh, our our friend Adelaide Bird won 18, 110 for Canelo in a fight that everyone pretty much had Triple G winning. That's a badass scorecard in a, in a bad way. Um, I scored it seven to five, as did all three judges, mind you, in a fight that we're all like, you know what, it was a great ass fight. Was I the outlier? Yeah, but like, let's not take away my uh, my my journalism <laughs> license after this. I mean, come on, Rashad, right? <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, we won't take that away. I mean, we we might get you some glasses though.
0: Wow! Oh, well, come like, on. Well, here's, you know, you sit so close. One sometimes you're not brainwashed by an announced team telling you how that's great true, back that's, you.
1: True, wow. that's true. That's true. That's true. I I didn't sit closely, so if I would have watched it closely, I might have. Nah, I don't think so. Oh
0: wow! <laughs> well, you know. But, he, Brandon, but you're people, also
2: not wrong BC because the announced team was pretty favorable towards Pacquiao well, that's for the, the thing. entire year of that. Rashad, fight. The,
0: well Rashad, the You don't understand about hecklers. And, oh you, you actually might. I mean you 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 you've you've done great <laughs> things when you do great things you get hecklers. Um they don't they never score the fight. Everyone who complains about scorecards never actually score the fight. They had a couple beers, they watched it, they saw Manny bloody the guy's nose and knock him down, they're like, "Of course he won 12 to 0." You know what I mean? I, I whatever. Whatever. This is an MMA I hear you. Podcast. I hear
1: you, BC. I hear. I hear that argument for yeah, sure. Well, I hear what that. What
0: are you guys <laughs> trying to do to me? This is. Well, let's talk some MMA, of course. Uh, in a second. I want to talk to you though about. Uh, it's almost football season. I know Brandon Wise moves for that. Rashad, you a big football guy.
1: Oh, I love the football. I love the football. I love the Buffalo Bills.
0: Oh wow! That's a, oh, I'm it. sorry. The
1: Buffalo don't don't you oh, guys do wow. it? Don't you do it? Don't do had it. A good
0: run. I mean, you know, there was a good run there at one point, but uh, yeah. Uh,
1: oh gosh! Oh gosh! So
0: you you may have broken the curse. You know, you're a borderline Buffalo guy, and you've won a championship. So you're alone in that. City, right? <laughs> it counts. <laughs> All right. That was not fair. All right. Uh, what I'm really trying to say here is Rashad. Um, I always like to ask you I used to ask King Mo about his days as a uh, big time Texas high school football receiver. What did you play high school football in what position? What are we talking about here?
1: I did. I played a uh, tailback in strong safety. I was actually pretty good. I was actually pretty oh. good. Uh, it was, it was, we, we went to the state to the state semifinals and we lost in the state semifinals. And after the state semifinals, I was like, you know what? I'm done with football. You know, oh. I had a great game. I got like MVP of that game for offensive MVP, and uh, it just wasn't enough. So after that point, I was like, you know what? I played my last football game. But I do miss football. You're
0: a big ass tailback. I mean, why? Could you imagine this guy coming up the middle?
2: Yeah, no, thank you. What were, were you in high school? Were you like five ten, five eleven?
1: I was about five five ten.
2: Yeah, that's and you were probably thick.
1: <laughs> yeah, I got. I was like at one. I like got one ninety five. I mean, yeah. for high school, that's yeah, a big running back. So yeah, no, thank you. I'm nope. not tackling that. Little
0: known way. fact, Rashad, that uh, Brandon Wise, the uh, the all regional left tackle that you're sitting next to, uh, coached in high school by NFL great Keith Byers. Not many people that, know that. Okay, right? I that didn't know. I did not know that. that. I did not know that. <laughs> Did not help him take his talents to the second level though. All right. But speaking of football guys, <laughs> training camps are here. Football is back and the pick six NFL podcast from CBS sports will be with you all preseason. Just like they've been in your podcast inbox every single day throughout this entire off season. I want you to join host Will Brinson. Daily, that means every time you wake up to catch up on the latest news analysis fun from around the league with an added fantasy and gambling twist. Make sure you're ready for the 2019 NFL season and download and subscribe to the Pick 6 pod anywhere audio is found. righty then, that's it guys. It's time to talk MMA It's time to talk UFC San Antonio, and we will in a second after a word from our friends and sponsors. Dig it.
1: New CBS Sunday.
0: You collect rewards, right?
1: This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He
0: finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. You survive. You make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic
1: take the wheel, sounds cool. It is cool, actually, very cool.
0: Tracker, new Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount Plus. And we're back, BCB Dubs, and the Hall of Famer himself, Sugar Rashad Evans, in Rashad San Antonio this weekend. Who stole the show in your eyes,
1: man? Uh, you know, I I got to have to say it got to be Edwards i think that that performance that he did with um with uh RDA, my, my mind's going back, RDA was, was absolutely amazing i think that you know because I, he used his size perfectly but then on top of that he used his grappling ability and it was just a smart fight and to be able to do that to somebody like RDA and to hold him down and and to be able to keep that pressure on an RDA who doesn't fade uh it, it showed a lot you know, I was I was definitely impressed with Edwards.
0: Five round unanimous decision, eight consecutive wins in the welterweight division for Leon Edwards. Uh, I'll tell you what I was most impressed with the the poise, the smoothness. I mean, this was sort of a reborn RDA. This ain't this ain't washed Rafael dos Santos. This was a guy whose mindset was still centered upon being a two division champion and coming for that welterweight crown. And he was fresh off a win over Kevin Lee. That was not only impressive that I did not think that would happen. He won me back over. And you know what? He was good in this fight. He had the seventies porn mustache. He was bringing the heat, but Rashad Leon Edwards was like, like it was like a maestro con- c- controlling an orchestra, just so calmly, the movements stinging RDA when he got too close, never really going for a finish, but mixing up the grappling, the offense, the lead elbows. I mean, it was like he didn't realize he was in a fight. He was just effing around out there.
1: Yeah, it, it was a great, smooth performance, you know, and, and the thing that I, I really liked about Edwards' performance is that he found a way to use a lot of fit-in positions, like the clinch positions, to kind of jam things up when RDA was starting to get some momentum. That was smart fighting to me, and I think that was the reason why we weren't able to see, you know, RDA really start to put a lot of combinations together. RDA did a lot of good things in this fight, but when it came to just putting... Uh, combinations together to get him momentum, he could not do it. And a lot of that was because Edwards always found a way to, you know, find a way to end up in a great dominant grappling position or be the last one in any particular combination and made it look like he was winning the combination.
0: Uh, Brandon, what do we do with him in the crowded, the crowded ass welterweight rankings? Because it's like on one hand, this performance makes him look like a title challenger tomorrow. But, dude, Take a number at the deli counter, right? Get in line right now.
2: I would say he's got to have another fight before he gets into this title talk, just because we need to see it again. You know, like we've seen him do these great things now. What is it, four or five times in a row?
0: How about eight? I'll get. How about eight? (laughs) All right,
2: eight. But I just, I don't know. I, I, I know you guys are impressed by the victory. To me, it's just kind of like okay. He he's another. He got another win over somebody that we've seen the elites just dismantle. You know? Oh whoa
0: we've, whoa! What are you talking? RDA yeah. slander will not be allowed on this podcast.
2: Okay, what did what happened when Kamaru Usman fought him?
1: Yeah, but didn't that not be, be- well, what?
2: But what? Hold on. What what happened when Colby fought him?
1: Okay, but those are the th- top three guys. Yes. The top three guys.
2: That- yes, he's elite. Those are the elite of the elite. I think Edwards is on his way to being an elite fighter. He. I mean. RDA is a blown up lightweight man like he's smaller than all of these guys in the division and when he gets into these close grappling matches he can't he just doesn't have the size to get out of the positions that he gets put in so I get what you guys are saying no RDA slander whatever but I mean Edwards against Jorge Masvidal has to be next right I know I know Jorge's out here saying that that's cute and all like my fights I put people to sleep not put fans to sleep (laughs)
0: But, well, that's uh, that's you just opened up an intro. The the next conversation here, guys, and that's whether Leon Edwards is doing enough to sell himself. And and you could you know look, it's not a pure sport. It's it's entertainment. It's a it's a business. It's a pay per view business. So Leon Edwards looks great in picking apart these names and winning in the fashion that he's doing. But in the past ten fights, he's got two finishes, and that matters. That matters when you are knocking on doors. And I know he called out Masvidal, but that's not a real call out. That guy just lit you up backstage. That guy gave you a free ticket to a potential big fight that people would care about. And you come out and be like, where's Masvidal, that weasel? I'd love to fight him. That's the equivalent of what he said on Saturday. No, bro, you get on social media, you get in that cage, uh, you, I, you might take a page from Ric Flair and just straight up blade in front of the camera, start punching yourself in the face. You act like a rabid Wolverine. You need that fight. You don't gentlemanly call him out. Rashad, am I making any sense right now?
1: You're making 100%, and, and, and I agree with you 100% just because of, some of the fact that Listen, this guy slapped you in front of every, everybody's talking about that three piece in You got to be able to be like, look, there, I don't care about anything else. I don't care about any title fight. That's my title fight. I want to fight that guy. Somebody put their hands on me. We got to fight. I don't, I don't care what it is. We got to fight. And you will skip to my loop.
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, Brandon, he's Look, in the he's in the wrong division. This Leon Edwards. Like what I mean by that is, if he was at at a less deep division, in less deep, not just in talent, but in personalities, right? You win eight in a row, you're getting a title shot. Instead, he's got to take that Tony Ferguson, Max Holloway long route to get to the top because he's just not doing enough to sell himself, and this is the, what this game is all about.
2: But my point is, when we were talking about what could be next, and, and you're saying he needs to sell himself, what did Kamara Usman do to sell himself to get that title fight? I don't remember him doing a lot of smack talking. He did a lot of smack talking with Colby, but he never even fought Colby. They're still talking about going back and forth and making that fight happen. I don't know what he needs to do, man. Honestly, it sounds like an agent thing. That no, needs to-
1: not, not even. Not, no, here's here's what I mean. Here's what's not an agent thing. <laughs> an agent thing would be, you know what, I need to put myself in, in a position, an agent goes and he fights the UFC to get you whatever fight you want. Mm-hmm. That's one aspect of it, but the other aspect of it, in which BC is talking about, is the simple fact that you just have a huge win over an amazing fighter in RDA, who 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 is you know, it was a performance that that he should have said, you know what, take notice of who I am and what I'm doing. At that point, he should have said, look, Masvidal, you know you you got that. You got a knockout, lucky knockout, or whatever Casey may say, you know, whatever that trash talking comes into his mind. But look, you're not going to get that on me. Or, and, and just and just talk on along those lines because that's what everyone was watching the RDA fight for just to see what he was going to say after the fight. Yes. You know, and it was kind of like, ah, I watched all that and you didn't say anything really, so, you know?
0: Rashad, we can criticize that. And I'm glad that you did that. I'm glad that I did that. Can we criticize – that he didn't seem to go for the finish against RDA. That he seemed to be content. And, and this is why I ask you if we should criticize, because cause you, you can ask yourself, like he beat RDA thoroughly. Like he beat him like five rounds to zero. Thoroughly, a great fighter who had a pretty good game plan really was too small in the end. Brandon wasn't wrong on that, especially against a six-two welterweight in Edwards. But did you see Edwards look to really put that exclamation point down?
1: Um. I seen him do it at times, but I, I did I did see you know what you're saying. You know, I mean, he he was he was he didn't look as if like he was slamming on the gas to go for the finish. No doubt about it. I think that at some point when he felt like he had control of the fight, he looked to go out there and just control the fight and to uh you know maybe get some maybe get some time in the octagon and land some some shots. You know, sometimes fighters do that. Sometimes fighters are in the octagon. And like, you know what, I got. I need the octagon time. I haven't been in here for a while. I want to work on some things. And they just use that time to work on whatever they want to. And, you know, that, that could have been the case. But not for nothing, RDA is a hard guy to get yes. up out of there. I mean, he's not you, – you, you take Kobe Covington, you take Kamaru Usman and all these great fighters that we just spoke about, and those guys had a hard time getting up out of there, even with the fact that they dominate him the whole fight.
0: Yeah, no question about it. It's, it's, it's interesting because Brandon, you did bring up a good question of, well, how did RDA, I'm sorry, how did, uh, Usman, how did Marty, if you will, get that title shot? Well, look, <laughs> when Woodley was on top, the division didn't seem as deep because he had beaten so many guys. Sometimes the division needs a recharge, plus, all conspiracy theory, your ass. UFC never <laughs> liked Tyron Woodley. They're just trying to get somebody in there to beat him. I said that. Not you guys. I did. And he did beat him. So that's almost a problem for Leon Edwards because even though the storyline is great, should he end up getting a kamaro fight from the standpoint Leon Edwards hasn't lost since he lost to Kamaru Usman? The problem is they're both kind of the same fighter, not in terms of style, but in terms of they have more substance to their style than their personalities do. So... UFC will not go out of their way to give us an Usman Edwards fight that probably won't sell. They would be much more apt to use guys like Colby, Askren, Masvidal, etc. So I think Masvidal and Edwards, that idea, that's the worst case for Masvidal here. Because that's a tough fight. You just saw what Leon Edwards did to RDA. If I'm Masvidal, I am making a firm stance that it's title shot or it's celebrity fight with a McGregor Diaz or it's nothing. I don't know if standing on that ledge will get him it, but I can't even see that being good strategy for how good Leon Edwards worked to take that step back. Masvidal's got a brand that he and the UFC need to cash in on right now.
2: How about we do a mini tournament if you know UFC was ever inclined to do such things where you put, you put Colby, Tyron, Jorge, and Leon in a tournament? Four of them fight. The winner of that fights Kamaru.
0: That's very yeah. uh, Coker Rebney-esque. Dana, yeah, and that, it would right?
2: make sense, but no, let's not do that. Let's have, let's make more weird fights Dana, that don't make don't any do sense. Don't do
0: that. I'm the boss. I'm the boss. It's my way and no other way. End of story. You know. Take that. Take that, Brando. All right.
2: I look forward to Leon Edwards versus Damian Maya later. But but, but I, I, yeah, I or, probably, or or I, I
1: agree Boy. with you. I agree with you, BC. I I think this Mazda, I think they got to cash in on his hype right now. And, and and here's the reality of the situation. It's well-deserved. And I think that, you know, this is the guy who you want to put in fights because he, he's going to bring the interest. He's going to bring the people, the people he is. He's what people want to see. You know what I'm saying? So you can't go wrong with putting him against any of the guys in the top three. But I think that, um, I think that Masvidal definitely should, uh, should wait to fight for the fight, take that money fight or fight Kamaru Usman because he's been in this game for a long time. He started in bare knuckle fighting, you know. This guy has been putting in a lot of time and he's been passed up, you know, a lot. So now is his time to get what he feels he deserves.
0: I'd rather even if I'm him fight Woodley in like a main event and get main event money than do something like Leon Edwards. Even with the fact that he lit him up. It's almost like that was a gift to Leon, but we can't linger on this. Let's go down this card quickly. Uh hey, don't look now, folks, but Walt Harris might be a legitimate heavyweight contender. Talk me off this ledge. He sent Alexei Olenek to hell in twelve seconds flat. And when you look at the recent body of work, I see a lot of evolution here.
1: I do too. You know, one thing that impresses me about Walt is is you know he's he every single time he goes out there you just see the gains that he's making in the gym you know uh he he's more confident than ever and you see that in his performance the way that he's speaking in interviews and when he goes out there he's competing at that level as if he knows that he is that athlete that heavyweight that the world is waiting to see and you look at his frame you look at those big shoulders and you look at his his body so he has the ability on a physical level to be that athlete. Now, you know it, it's it's starting to become the perfect storm for for Walt Harris to grow into this dynamic athlete, and we're privileged to watch it.
0: Six five thirty six is the age, but look, it's heavyweight. It takes a while to really become something and linger in heavyweight. I mean, it's an age that supports is really what I'm saying. It supports you lingering and he's kind of just figuring it out. We, we always know how narrow the rankings tend to be in heavyweight, how you can get to the top soon. I mean, Olenek is his best win. It's not like his, his resume is dotted with great wins, but he sort of evolved out of that period where it was trade wins and losses back and forth with guys you've barely heard of. This is an interesting package, an interesting athlete here because I don't know why it's like I'd never seen these type of moves out of him.
2: It was wild just to all of a sudden see him attempt a flying knee. Like this is like the new thing in in MMA now. Everybody's gonna try and land their own flying knee to get somebody out of there. And then the knee sets up his his cross that just puts Olynic straight to sleep. And we shouldn't overlook that Olinick also suffered an ACL tear in that fight. I think when he got knocked out he he slipped and tore his knee. So he's gonna be out an extended period of time now. He's really up there in age as well it, it might be time for him to hang him up the way that he's lost his last few fights
0: hey you know who else might want to think about hanging it up after this performance juan adams what the hell happened in this greg hardy <laughs> fight guys please enlighten me all right before i just drop a deuce right on juan adams what happened here
1: it might have been the romper he wore you are you are this romper on the uh on the desk when he was doing an interview with uh, Tyron Woodley, but you know, listen, I mean, yeah, it it was a tough performance. 45 seconds losing to Greg Hardy. You know, here's the thing about it. Greg Hardy is, is coming in and he's coming in on a different level as far as, you know, mindset is concerned. This guy, Greg Hardy is super, super focused. You know, he, he hits me up every once in a while and we talk and, uh, he gets upset if he loses in practice. You know what I'm saying? Like, if he loses in practice, he's like, hey, what do I need to do? This happened to me in practice. And it just kind of shows me his mindset because that's practice. You know what I'm saying? You can lose in practice. It's okay to lose in practice, but losing in practice has become something that he just can't live with. So that lets me know that the mindset of Greg Hardy is the mindset of a champion and is going to grow and continue to get better. But... um. You know, Juan Adams, he was just outmatched.
0: I'm just disappointed because we really want to learn things about Greg Hardy from these appearances. And look, he hasn't stepped up yet. These are still somewhat bottom fever heavyweights. But with Juan Adams making such a big stink this past week of saying he hates Greg Hardy, he's a bad person, all this stuff. And wearing the rompers and go and wearing the t-shirts and going that you got to come out with a performance. You almost have to be willing to let yourself get KO'd and go for the win, not grab a leg and then just let yourself get punched out. It it almost robbed us of what this fight should have done. Give us more info on who Greg Hardy is, and instead it was Greg Hardy licking blood off his gloves and saying tr- some weird trash talk. I don't know where I'm at with <laughs> Greg Hardy, guys. I'm not, and I don't mean that from a like should he fight or not? Like, I'm like, we're all, no, I know, that.
1: I know, I know what you mean. I know exactly what you mean, but here, here's the thing that I like about Greg Hardy and what makes him is that fact that he's, he, he kind of comes in and he kind of is, is weird sometimes, but just think about this. This is a guy coming into a sport and he came in when he came into the sport, he came in with a lot of flack. Everybody gave him a hard time of, of his, his past. And, um, He didn't really like it kind of put him in a weird space out the gate. You know what I'm saying? So I think he's still responding to just that weird inner that that what he got from from the people. You know, I think he's just trying to figure out how he should be, how he should act. And and I think he's he's starting to figure
0: it out. I just kind of like Brandon, I kind of want him to figure out who he is, not in terms of a person. Like, like I'm almost removing the personal stuff from this, but the fans aren't going to remove the personal stuff. There's going to be a lot of fans, of course, who want him to pay royally in the cage for the sins they feel he's done outside of it. I'm sort of just saying, pick a, pick a lane, like either be the non remorseful. I don't care. Trash talking. I'm going to beat everyone they put in front of me. I'm going to lick blood off my gloves. I'm going to give you crazy eyes after the fight or be the, Hey man, I'm just trying to get my life back together and get a second chance. And I'm an American, you know, redemption story in waiting. I kind of want him to pick that. Is that but why mix?
1: can't but well, why can't he be both? Why can't why can't he be both? Why why does he have to pick one? Because those are both aspects of who he is. Because But it's kind he of confusing messages
0: from a marketing standpoint.
1: No, not really, because you you're I, I think I think this. You're allowed to be a person. You're allowed to be a person, and you're allowed to be an athlete. And I think that those are just the two aspects you're speaking about is the fact that on a personal level, when you speak to him, he does give that energy, like he is remorseful and stuff like that. And he, and he doesn't know the right thing to say to make that right because you can't it's something that happened in the past. So he's, he's still feeling that and he, and he doesn't know what to say, but then on the aspect, he is this monster. He is this, he is competing from that mindset before he had that situation happen. In football, he was that monster in football. You know, he had that same mindset. So, I get what you're saying, but that's 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 hard. Like, how how do you do that? How do you divorce yourself from yourself?
0: It's, it's an interesting counterpoint there. Um, wise, did you see any physical growth? I mean, i, I can I can say marketing <laughs> wise, be this or that, but are you seeing a guy who's getting closer to to being a legitimate heavyweight?
2: Um, I think what I learned is that what Dana White said about his Tuesday Night Contender Series theory is correct. And you never shoot for a double leg when you have a chance to just stand and bang with somebody. (laughs) Um, I think Juan Adams learned that the hard way. Uh, I, I don't know. I think possibly just from the fact that he was able to stuff that takedown and then landed however many shots he did on Juan Adams that bloodied him up and before the stoppage. Just because when Alan Crowder fought him, he was able to control that fight and he was able to take Greg down and Greg didn't really know what he was doing there. So for him to be able to stuff the takedown and kind of just sit on top of one as he was dropping bombs, I think that shows a little bit of growth. And it's something we're going to have to keep an eye on going forward because, like you said, we need to see him against more elite competition. And I think now UFC is going to be kind of in that place where it's like, all right, do we do we give him a top 15 guy just to like see or do we just keep feeding him these guys that we don't know about yet either?
1: I think you have to feed him a top 15 guy just, just because of the fact that I think that's the stage of his development right now. I think if you keep feeding him these bottom feeders, I think he's going to get bored and get a false sense of confidence about where he's really at. Yep. I think he needs to be tested or it can do the reverse in his growing. You know, if you, if you give him another guy like Juan Adams, then he may get a false sense of who he really is and his skill level. And it may actually have a negative effect on his his career.
0: It's it's all interesting. It's all polarizing. We can all want him to be who we want him to be, or we can just go out there and watch him and see what he becomes. But I don't know. I feel like I'm getting two different vibes from him at the same time. And maybe, maybe you're right, Rashad. Maybe it's just a complicated situation that he's walking out at the same time. And I can't put that head on and know what that feels like when so many people are judging you and hating you and you are trying to move on with your life. So I will give him certainly that respect. I mean, I want him to be a thing. I think it's an interesting to have celebrity crossovers when somebody looks like they actually can be a legitimate fighter. I mean, I think that, like, this this ain't CM Punk. You know what I mean? Like, right now it's closer to a CM Punk situation, but you see real potential for a to be a real fighter, and he's young enough and certainly in the right division, where Rashad, correct me if I'm wrong, but... He may actually F around and beat a top 15 guy just because of that natural explosiveness.
1: Absolutely. And and just the explosiveness and the intensity. You know, this guy is super intense. And when it comes to fighting, attitude is huge. When it comes to competing in general, attitude is huge. And he has the right attitude for competing. He he. Pumps himself up the right way. He goes out there, and you look in his eyes, and he looks like he is ready to go out there and do the work. You know, so I, I see a lot of upside in this guy, and I see why the UFC they're 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 bringing him along the way they are. So I do see the growth in him, but I think the truest growth for him is just going to be when he fully gets comfortable with where he's at on a personal level and where he's at in general. You know, I think that he's just, you know, still trying to find the right words to say, I'm sorry, you know, for whatever happened.
0: Fair point. Uh Moving on, this lightweight bout from this card, guys. Uh If the biggest winner on this card was Leon Edwards, the second biggest may have been Dan Hooker. Fantastic performance, just over two minutes, taking the soul of James Vick and sending him to a third straight defeat. Brando, I'm going to throw it right at you because you're a James Vick guy, so you took this L pretty hard. But tell me I'm not looking at a legitimate future title contender in Dan Hooker, and I'm not unaware that we're talking about a historically deep division at lightweight.
2: I think that's probably closer to where it is at this point. You might be right on Hooker, but man, if you look at those names in front of him right now at lightweight, I I just don't see how he's gonna get there before it's like 2021. You know, like I I feel I, I'm just ups- I'm just sad. Well, let me because... let
0: me pin it on you. Is this more of Hooker look great or your boy Vic has fatal flaws? What is this? I more think of?
2: I think it's the latter. I think Vic's got some really bad flaws. Like we we've been joking about it that. Head movement is a big problem, but like it showed very much so on Saturday night when Hooker didn't even look like he was trying to set much up on the top. He was still attacking him with leg kicks. And then all of a sudden, a a straight cross or a straight across his face just catches him and he's down and he's out cold. So I like Hooker. I think you're right that he could be there at some point, maybe in the next year or two. But I think this is more of Vic, somebody exposed Vic, and now Vic's like issues are are more abundantly clear to everybody in the division.
1: I I totally agree with what you said. And, and, and here's the thing about it. Here's, here's my thing with Vic. I feel that, like you said, you know, somebody exposed one of his weaknesses and now everyone is following suit. When that happens, it, it takes a whole, it takes some time to be away from everything to, to rebuild your game and to kind of oh, okay, that's why I'm getting caught with this. That's why this is not working. And even just a whole, um, a, 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 I guess, a rebranding of your style. You know what I'm saying? If, if you feel like, okay, I'm, I'm taking a lot of shots here and I'm getting rocked, all right, well, let me see if I can you know, blend in with this combination where it, it puts me in a position where I'm not going to be on the receiving end of taking a lot of these shots. When I got later on in my career, you know, the best thing for me was to throw one or two punch when the exchange got going, you know, going to a clinch position where I'm not entering in that 50-50 exchange with the person, you know, punching where he can punch me and I can punch him. You know, I always try to angle it for me to have the better odds against him when it came to striking or whatever discipline I chose to go into. And I think Vic has to go into the same thing. You know, when you're, you're, you're on a three-fight losing streak, you desperately need to find something to gain confidence in. So I think he needs to get back into the whole, you know, rebranding his game. Whether it be, okay, I'm not going to stand up as much or I'm going to start to work on my grappling because he's such a tall guy for his weight class. It's such a waste when you see guys so tall for the weight class only want to use the the, the advantage of the stand-up when you're like, yeah, that, that same reach and, and leverage, it works even better on the ground too, mm-hmm. you know, and, and – I think he could utilize a little bit of that in his game plan to kind of help him get over this rough patch because it's very hard losing three fights, but it's really hard bouncing back from the third fight when you got that fourth fight looking at you and you just got knocked
0: out. Yeah, no doubt, and it's it's it sucks because he's such a good offensive fighter, and you saw that when he bloodied hooker, Hooker's nose there and seemed to have a lot of confidence, but man, they've exposed his tell, if you will. Now tell that man to get back to the gym. Um, That'll wrap up San Antonio. I mean, were some other good performances here, but there's a lot of news, guys. We have to get into, including a very big story on the pound for pound king, the greatest of all time. John Jones, another dust up with the law. Brandon, set the stage for us. What do we got here? What do we know right now?
2: I think you know more than I do at this point, B.C., Because I was off yesterday. You're the one who had to write the report on this.
0: It was in an Albuquerque strip club in April. Jones accused by a cocktail waitress of uh, getting handsy, uh, kissing the neck, picking her up off the ground, uh, putting his hands in the no-fly zone, if you will. Uh, He denies it through his team, said he wasn't even aware of the warrant put out for arrest for him because uh, they had the wrong address. He went to court. He paid off the money. Uh, innocent until proven guilty for sure. But Rashad, it's a tough conversation when Jones has this history, both outside the cage, hit and run felony arrest, the recreational drug use, and then you add in the multiple failed drug tests inside that. Do, do you lose the benefit of the doubt in these cases when you've been through so much?
1: Yeah, you definitely do. You lose the benefit of the doubt and you lose, you know, um, just, just people, you know, they don't, they don't trust anything that you say anymore. You know, you, 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 you've continued uh, to have the same behavior, or appearing to have the same behavior that you had, or as he had before when he got in trouble. And you know, it gets hard to give someone the benefit of the doubt when they're reacting in this exact same way as they've done it before. You know, the the, the hard part about this whole thing with Jones is like, you know, you, you try to figure out. Why? You know what I'm saying? It just doesn't make any sense why, you know, and, um, you know, a, a big part of it is the fact that when you when you put yourself in, in situations and in, in being in the fact that he may have not done anything. But if you put yourself in a situation or being in that environment, then anybody can say anything Against you, That's you the know, key.
0: you just nailed it. I mean, it's like yeah. so his team called it malicious lies. She also accused him, by the way, of uh, sneaking up from behind, putting like a rear naked choke on her and, and you know, in, in playfulness, but going too far in the touch. We don't know what really happened, but I think you nailed yes. the ultimate point is that why would you put yourself in that point? And it's not saying that every celebrity or anyone with something to protect can never go to a club or never go to a strip club or whatever. But when you're John Jones and you've lost everything before and you're on the verge of losing access to your profession for upwards to four years had that USADA suspension been hammered down on him like it could have. I don't know, Rashad, at this point, I'm staying home. I'm not going out ever again, ever. I'm not putting myself in that spot.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think the big problem comes in, you know, because John is one of those guys who, you know, he he likes to, uh, you know, mingle and go out and have fun with the people and, and, and do all those things and hang out with his friends. But, you know, when you're at a certain level, you have to understand that when you go out and hang out and do the same things as your friends do and you're the popular one in a group, no matter how the group conduct themselves you're going to be the one that everyone names in a group. you know. So unless you're hanging out with people who have something to lose like you, then you're going to constantly be putting yourselves in situations where your name is being brought up if any wrongdoing is done. you know. John may have not even been the person in the group that may have been acting with lewd behavior, but he's in the group. And because he's in a group, it's easier to say his name. Everyone knows his name. And that's what I mean when it's like, Changing the circle of the people that you hang around with. If you're hanging around with people who don't have as much to lose, as you do, then you're going to lose as much as they lose, or if not more.
0: I just hate seeing this because, like, we want John to have a a, a happy ending to the story. In, in, not that not that kind of happy ending. No more <laughs> no, no, no more at all. And believe me, I'm not no, trying was... to make light of this. We want a happy ending to the story of a guy who actually is the go. He's incredible. He's amazing. And you certainly give somebody who came to such fame and success at a young age a window to do stupid-ass things. Rashad, I was doing stupid-ass things at 25. I might even be doing stupid-ass things at 40 and a half right now on this podcast. The whole point is, though, you want to stop seeing this happen. Because every time you interview John after one of these stupid things, you hear the remorse and it seems to be legit. And then things keep happening. Yeah,
1: you definitely want to and especially now. Like his level of competition has changed. And because his level of competition has changed, you know, these guys are 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 looking at him differently, you know. They're looking at him like he's the meal. You know what I'm saying? He's the one that they they're after. You know, you got the Johnny Walkers and you got these guys who are building Reyes and guys like that who, who are building up a lot of steam in his weight class and and they really believe that they can beat him and they're on his heels from from uh, from an ability standpoint because these guys are are, are well rounded athletes these guys are specimens like John Jones so you know the, the physical advantages that he had at once before he may not have now and all the things that he he once was able to do he may not be able to do anymore with this new level of athlete. so he's going to have to start to dig deeper in different areas in his life and he he's going to have to cut out behavior like this or he's not going to be able to be the john jones that we've we've come to know because the competition will pass him by
0: that is fair there is an interesting devil's advocate to this it's a stupid devil's advocate but hear me out here manny pacquiao for example when he was wheeling and dealing and gambling and cheating and drinking guy was insanely great inside that ring. When he made the conversion, he was a little bit safer. Maybe he wasn't the same guy. It's a weird, odd comparison, but it was what it was. Is there any question here, Rashad, that somebody like Jones, who has been able to perform at his best when we know his personal life, he was not living his best life in terms of a pro athlete, does he need things to always be teetering toward the line to be the best in the cage and have that supreme focus? Is there any correlation there?
1: Yeah, I mean, there is definitely a correlation there some Some athletes need a pinch of center in their life in order to compete at the best you know i I've, I know a lot of athletes who need to have that that double life in order to compete and have that edge they 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 they, they need it. They need it. They need to take that risk. But here's here. Here's the parallels that you have to understand when you when you're taking risk in the octagon, the risk just doesn't come when you're in the octagon. You're taking those risks in your personal life. You're always taking these risks. So risk doesn't come to you as something new just when it comes to the fight. You always live risky. And I think that's one thing that we we see with John Jones. He fights risky and he lives risky. You know, he lives the way that he fights.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. John Jones, get you together. I'm waiting for you. Hey, Brandon. In John Jones's multiple tweets on Monday denying all of this, he did say he'll be back in December and he will win. And the haters are trying to tear him down. Uh, who's he going to fight in December? Gun to your matchmaking head here, Sean Shelby. Who you got, Brando?
1: Uh,
2: DC. I th- I mean, it's kind of got to be DC or Johnny Walker because they the. Ariel Helwani reported this morning that they are working on a Dom Reyes fight for next for October against Chris Weidman, oh, baby. Oh,
0: your boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He'll be back. So, mm-hmm. Wow, he will be back. All right.
2: So based on the math, I mean, it's kind of got to be one of those two, right? Wouldn't that make sense for an end of year pay-per-view too, to do DC Jones three? given that DC wins on it can't be another
0: ho-hum light heavyweight title defense unless it's Johnny Walker because you can play up the highlights and the weirdness and the trash talk but please please for for all of us let's do DC Jones 3 it needs to happen (laughs) uh also in the news Brando there's a fight here that has moved your needle what do you got
2: yes sir so what was this Friday I think it happened officially Donald Cerrone posted something on Instagram that he's a He's got a fight, and of course, as he says, it's always on short notice. So, September fourteenth, Don Cerrone will be heading to
1: Vancouver,
2: Canada, to take on Justin Gaethje. Wow,
1: that is going to be an epic fight! So, <laughs> epic fight,
2: uh, epic. Why? So okay, the question well, becomes: Hold on, the question becomes: What does that mean for Connor? Because wow. now everybody in the lightweight division is basically tied up with a fight, or is coming off of a fight.
0: All right. Dana told me what a couple weeks ago in Vegas, most likely Connor comes back early next year. That leads me to believe that Connor is going to examine what happens in the Nate Diaz fight and what happens in the Habib Dustin fight and figure out his next move. Um, and Tony might be in the middle of that and get effed for all we know. But um, if you're a cowboy, I know you love this stuff. Like, Cowboy's a fan like us. He loves violence. He's more fired up for the violence that this fight brings than any of us. But should New Dad Cowboy be be loaning his brain to this fight? I mean, what are we doing here?
1: Yeah, th- th- it's it's a tough fight, but this is this is a fun fight for Cowboy because of the fact that he knows how Justin Gaethje fights. Justin Gaethje is one of those fights that um it's going to be a brawl, but it's going to be one of those brawls that you kind of enjoy being lured into because of the fact that it's 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 going to be a competitive fight for the beginning. You know what I'm saying? It's gonna be one of those wars that's like, okay, you're gonna give me a little, I'm gonna get a little. But then at some point it's gonna be a lot. You know what I'm saying? At some point one of the other person's gonna get the the best of the other. But it gets fun at first. At first (laughs) it gets fun. I'm not gonna lie, it it is at first at fun. And I think that's what Cowboys looking forward to. That fun that, you know, he has to dig dig down deep and test himself. You know, speaking to Trevor Whitman about the mindset of Justin Gaethje, he says that, you know, there's no one like Justin Gaethje in the fact that when he gets ready to fight, Cowboy, I mean, uh, T- Trevor's like, all he wants to do is just bang. He wants to go out on the shield all the time. That's what he wants to do. And think about that mindset. It's violent, sun, yeah. it's violent son, man.
2: It's violent son. I got I got into an argument on Twitter with BC's bro-ham from Canada, Aaron Bronstetter, who said that this main event was better on paper going in than any pay-per-view main event we've had so far in 2019. How do you feel about that? I'll give you the list. Jones Santos, one. Um, Maurice Cejudo. J- uh, Andraj Nami Yunus. Holloway Poirier. Jones Anthony Smith. And Adesanya Anderson Silva.
1: Holloway. So what is Poirier, it? bro? Come on. Yeah, Holloway Poirier yeah. is definitely above that. He one.
2: he said that no matter like he his opinion wouldn't change on it, but he he said that this on paper is better than that fight, and I just, I couldn't yeah. disagree with him more because I was just like, we had no idea what Max would look like at 155. Plus, Poirier is a monster right now at 155 that we just knew was going to be an all out war. Yeah. Like I know this is going to be a war, but I also have my concerns about Cowboy. Staying upright and staying, staying through the fight because
0: I mean he can get retired, Brandon. He can get retired right here. <laughs> yeah, like I, we may man, have to shoot the horse. Trevor, out back, Trevor you know.
2: Whitman, you know very well he's going to go in there trying to knock Cowboy's head off. Oh, a uh,
1: thousand percent. A so thousand percent. I,
2: I don't know. I have a feeling for some reason Cowboy's going to fight again this year and somehow is going to end up two and three <laughs> in five fights. He's going <laughs> to fight five times this year and go two and three. I. I have a lot of concerns about Cowboy. Uh, he's not this getting fight out of, of this covers. fight.
0: I mean, like, okay, like here's the deal, guys. All right, Justin Gaethje's going to have a short shelf life. He's very Ruslan Provodnikov like, if you know that dude from boxing who who flamed <laughs> out quick because you just can't you can't walk in oncoming traffic for ten years. Okay, at this level, the only guys that have beaten him, though, correct me if I'm wrong, have gone into the deep dark depths of hell with him, and have relied on elite sort of uh technique wasn't it like it was like Poirier it was like Eddie am i missing somebody who beat him like that i mean you really have to go dark deep and heavy and outcraft and outduel him i don't know if if papa Cerrone at this point has the the want or the needs to do that
1: i know and especially and especially the way you know Gechi always goes to the body he always puts in work to the body and Cowboy has that body that can't take a lot of punishment you know I don't know if it's because he had that uh, racing accident where he had to have a stomach put back in oh. and you see that scar on his stomach you ever see that scar on his stomach no
0: I don't even know the story That's yeah, disgusting yeah well,
1: Cowboy, so Cowboy was was racing on his dirt bike and he actually fell off it had a uh, bad crash and then when he stood up his stomach got cut and all this, his intestines just dropped out on the floor. He tells a story oh, about where he had, he woke up in a bed. It's, it's, it's crazy, but <laughs> that's, they they were able to put his intestines back in him after they stayed into a separate bowl for a week.
2: Oh my God. I, it,
1: I know. I'm sorry <laughs> about the gore. I'm sorry, about, but listen, this, I have a point to the story. My point is that because of this surgery, I believe is a reason why Cowboy has such a hard time taking these body shots, and Justin Gaethje is a body shot expert. Yes.
0: Wow. This guy's Cerrone is just a different breed. Wow. All right. Uh, (laughs) I mean, look, it's great. It's a great. It's a great fight for the fans, but I feel like we're going to be there that week going. uh, HG is not only going to take his soul, he's going to pull it out of him and, and add ketchup to it and just eat it right in front of him. I mean, this is this is interesting. That is an interesting fight. Uh, other news, Miles Jury signs with Bellator and then instantly gets a Benson Henderson fight. I don't care about this. All right. I'm sorry, Brandon. Wow. Yeah. Why? Why don't you care about this? Miles Jury does not isn't moving me. OK, all right. Like,
2: sure, <laughs> <What a laughs> you are. He I, should have been in the tournament. We, we we really thought that he was going to somehow end up in that featherweight tournament, but I mean, I'm I'm surprised Benson's still going at this rate, honestly. He's still fighting two or three times a year after we thought he was done a while ago.
0: Yeah. I don't know about signing <laughs> this guy and just pump. I don't know. I just don't I don't care. All right. What else you got? You got anything else for me? Anything else I should care I got about n- in this I got nothing. in this fighting world before we get into 240? Nope. All right. It was good talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. All right. 240 preview coming your way right now. Oh, yeah. It's the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports with your boy, the Brian Campbell, and the UFC Hall of Famer, Sugar Rashad Evans, coming back at you. Preview time, UFC 240 this Saturday in Edmonton, Alberta, on pay-per-view Rashad, we got a top-heavy card here. Two fights we need to see. How you doing, bro?
1: I'm doing great, man. Those two fights you're talking about that we need to see are some exciting fights indeed.
0: May not be the deepest card we've ever seen from the UFC. I guess you can call it an in-between pay-per-view, how that goes. But this is on Canadian soil. And Rashad, correct me if I'm wrong, but in 2013, you traveled to Winnipeg, of all places, to take on the great Dan Henderson is it true what they say about Canadian MMA fans? Is it just different across that border?
1: It is just different, and especially in winter, as they call it. You know, uh, the Canadian fans, they give a different energy. You know, they don't get a lot of fights out there. So when they get the fights out there, they're very excited, and they bring that energy to the fights, and you can feel it once you hit the arena.
0: Well, if you are listening to our podcast right now, the audio version of the State of Combat, we invite you to check out this video preview on YouTube as we break it down, UFC 240 coming right at you. Rashad, we start right at the top in this main event. Heck of an interesting fight from the idea of storylines. Featherweight championship on the line. Max Holloway defending against the legend himself, the former UFC lightweight champion, Frankie Edgar. I mentioned storylines, though. How much in your eyes is the idea that Max Holloway Yes, he's the champ, but coming off a loss when he moved up earlier this year to attempt to challenge Dustin Poirier for that interim lightweight title, lost a somewhat brutal, very competitive, though, five-round decision. How much should we be leery on the lookout of what kind of max we see this Saturday?
1: Well, this is the best possible max that... Frankie could fight, meaning the fact that he's not coming in off that high, not coming in off that indomitable spirit, not coming in off that 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 run that he's been on you know he's been knocked down a bit uh you know he's been able to i guess mentally get around the fact that you know of his loss and being able to face it and say all the right things, but there's a different actually being inside the octagon when you're inside the octagon and you're in there with somebody who uh you know he, he knows that you lost your last fight and you know he he wants to put you in those positions where you start to doubt yourself again. You know, the, the, that's what Max is going to be facing. And he's going against a guy in Frankie Edgar who's a veteran and, and really good at implementing his game plan and exposing people to, to I guess, you know, fight out of their game plan. And and uh, that's one thing Max is going to have to get back to. How does he get back to that same Max that we've seen, the one who, you know, throws those combinations like he does and put people into their trick bag?
0: Yeah, it is really interesting because let's not forget here, it was just, what, a year ago where we were a little bit concerned about Max's health going forward. You know, he had pulled out of back-to-back fights. We know what happened when he was supposed to fight Brian Ortega that time during International Fight Week a year ago. Unexplainable in terms of how he pulled out. He slurred his speech on that TV interview. I was worried coming into his return last year of what he might look like. He certainly shushed us all up in the Brutal, a dominant fashion in which he turned the tables on Brian Ortega. But like I mentioned, then he moves up in weight in a move that I didn't think really needed to happen because of how deep the lightweight division was. But he certainly lent his star and went for it. Fought admirably against Dustin Poirier. But I think at least for now, until maybe he makes the decision to go to 155 full time and builds up his body, he just didn't seem to have the the firepower on that level to get over the hump against Poirier. So now I'm sort of in this torn in between. How much should we worry about Max Holloway? If you ask him, he's never worried, it seems. He's always chilling. He's always bringing up that 10th Island he loves in Toronto. But this is going to be interesting, but it's also against 37-year-old Frankie Edgar. So, Rashad, I'm not here to disrespect a true legend in Frankie Edgar, who one day will be putting on that Hall of Fame jacket and joining you in immortality. But answer me this truthfully. Is this the closest thing Max Holloway in the UFC could get on the title level to
1: a get well fight. Uh, who, that's that's a that's a tough sell, right? <laughs> the, the get well fight. Um, I I don't know if I'll say it's a get well fight being the fact that Frankie Edgar is a very dangerous fight, but I will say that he does fit into Max's skill set very really well. You know, he's a shorter fighter. Um, you know, Max will have the reach over him and Max will be able to use his reach in grappling situations that give me an advantage. So you can see him getting in situations like arm triangles and scrambling situations that could, you know, aid to max and, 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 you know, cause Frankie some problems. So those are the things that, that, that can give Frankie some problems in it and goes to the side of max. But when it comes to heart and determination, you can't sell Frankie short in this area. I think that that's yeah. one thing that Frankie does come. He does come and you know, he comes with his heart and, and, and he brings it to the fight. But as you're saying, you know, heart is going you know heart is just one aspect of this you know very complex MMA puzzle and even though he may have the heart when it comes to scale max holloway just you know he has that size he has that pressure he has a striking ability and he gets Stronger as a fight goes on. You know, those are those are all going to be problems that Frankie Edgar is going to have to solve. And it's going to be a tough uphill battle for Frankie being the fact that he is a smaller fighter and he does have to take Max to the ground. He, he does have to fight that well-rounded May fight up and down. That's the only way I see Frankie Edgar winning a fight like this, being able to fight a very fluid fight from up and down, being able to keep Max not knowing what he's going to do.
0: Crazy, like you use terms that are correct. The smaller fighter and Frankie Edgar, it's crazy that this man was once the lightweight king fighting, you know, seemingly well above his weight considering we've seen him go down as low as featherweight. But that shows you the greatness in him. And obviously, I meant no disrespect. I mean, revisit his collaborations with the great Gray Maynard and all the great memories that Frankie has given us. The whole question is, does he have one more? But the idea of not a get well fight, but a, not a soft fight, but here's the deal. Frankie Edgar may be in this spot. I know they tried to book this fight already twice, and it didn't happen because of different reasons, but maybe Frankie Edgar, because of his name, really adds a punch and a boost to this card, which isn't the deepest card. Maybe there's other guys in that division a little more, I don't know if deserving is the right word, maybe more dangerous, but this matchup is what it is, and it's a great opportunity for but, Frankie
1: Edgar. So but BC, BC, you almost acting as if Frankie Edgar didn't deserve this. This, this, this I mean, it's, li- listen, uh, listen. tough.
0: It's, it's a hot tough. division, Rashad. You got to give him that. It's a hot division, right? It, it, no, it it,
1: seem- it it is a hot division. But well, when it comes to it, yeah, I mean, Frankie Edgar did lose a fight against uh Brian Ortega that was supposed to be his fight to to fight for the title, um, and then he had that injury and stuff like that. But I mean, you know, Frankie is is one of the premier guys in the weight class. When when you're talking about the top guys in the weight class, you're talking about Frankie Edgar. So I don't think that this weight, th- this fight, this 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 title fight is you know is, I guess, uncalled for. I think it's very called for. I think that Frankie Edgar, you know, definitely deserves the shot.
0: I think it's a smart move. However you look at it, by the way, it is smart matchmaking, I think, in a lot of ways. I think UFC wants to see exactly where where, uh, Max is at right now. And obviously, if Frankie Edgar should pull this upset, you've got another storyline that I do want to get to in a second. But let's talk about Frankie Edgar, this version of him. Uh, we, we we You did mention that knockout loss to Brian Ortega in the first round two fights ago. We can't ignore that that happened. He did come back and beat Cub Swanson, but now he enters this fight out of the cage for a full year. We know the age. We know sort of the concerns for a smaller fighter who has relied so much on speed as a boxer and in his takedown game through the years. So I want to ask you, A, what version are you expecting of Frankie Edgar? But I also want to ask you, how has he been able to sort of, Elongate his career and extend it on the elite level. When, like I mentioned, smaller fighters don't tend to age that well.
1: Well, let me start with the last one. Uh, he's been able to to stay consistent and been able to stay in the game for so long just because he doesn't stop. You know, I trained with Frank Yeager for a couple of years in New Jersey, and Frank Yeger has a work uh, regimen outside of his training camps that allows him to be able to, uh, stay, stay active and ready. So when it comes time to him to fight, so he's not allowing himself to get out of shape. He's always in shape. And that allows a fighter to stay, uh, I guess ready, but it does cause some problems when it comes to the wear and tear on the body, which you've seen him have to take some time off for the energy in- in- injury. But I do see Frankie because he's been able to stay consistent. He's been able to grow and get better and grow with the level of competition. You know, uh, coming into this fight what do I expect from Frankie Edgar well he's had some time and he's had some time to work on some of the things that that give him problems you know he he has problems with sometimes with taller guys and it gets harder to get them off his feet so he's been working with with different uh you know taller athletes to help get them down on the ground on his wrestling and stuff like that he has a beat uh Magomed Shapirov in his weight class and in his camp that actually helps him a lot you know, a lot when it has to go against guys like Max Holloway who are very tall, but what am I expecting for Frankie? Um, Frankie is, you know, he's coming to this fight very confident, but at the same time, he's coming to this fight very hungry to, to the point where he knows that this is the fight that he has to win in order for him to, I guess, even get a chance to, you know, hold that belt one more time. So this is a big fight for Frankie Edgar. I'm expecting him to come out full blast, uh, he's going to have to address a lot of the issues that he that got away from him in the Brian Ortega fight, which is range, which is actually flow of the fight. And that's something that you rarely see Frankie Edgar get in trouble with, the flow of the fight. He's going to have to get back into the flow of the fight. By that, I mean going top to bottom, keeping the guys on the horns of the dilemma, not knowing what he's going to do from punching to going from wrestling. That's the Frankie Edgar that can beat a Max Holloway.
0: Now, look, you're just fresh off sort of the twilight, the ending of your career, And then your subsequent induction into the Hall of Fame just in July. So when you're in the end of your career, and obviously for Frankie, he's on the title level. Congratulations. But this is the second half. This is sort of the the, uh, cherry on top on the great run he's already had. Is it tough to balance where physically some of your speed, your explosiveness has to be gone, but you're smarter than ever? So. Is it sort of a mindset shift when you enter fights like this where you've got to be much more efficient and smarter than you've ever been in your early days where you could make up for mistakes just on being athletic and young?
1: Yeah, it's definitely a mind shift. And you have to know that as a fighter, you know, you have to know that where your skills were before and where they are right now, you know, Um, as an older fighter what you have to do is you have to just kind of take a reevaluation of what you can still do, you know, and when it comes to Frankie Edgar, okay, you know, you're, you're an older fighter. You can't take the shots that you used to. So now you have to, you know, use more of a grappling base offensive game. You know, Randy Couture was very good at how he was able to fight in his later career, how he kept the guys against wall and broad positioned And always going for that grappling position, which allowed him to not take so many shots, you know, I think that's a very good tactic for somebody who's an older fighter. Frankie Edgar has that ability as well to, you know, fight from that position where he's striking and then go off the grappling position. And then once a the grappling is contestant, he can strike again and get back into a grappling position. But just that's that's what I mean by the flow of the fight. Once you get older, you understand the flow of the fight to know that I can take some shots, but I can't take way too many and I shouldn't take too many. That's just the the truth of the matter. You know, you you don't want to take too many shots. And Frankie Edgar, he should punch, get to a grappling base position, wall the brawl or make Max uh, punch him, and then he can go back and get a takedown. It would be a lot easier for him.
0: We certainly know what's at stake here for Max Holloway. He wins. It's business back at Featherweight, same as it ever was, after that one-off at Lightweight. There's certainly a group of strong contenders on the way up, the Alexander Volkanovskis, Brian Ortega reloading. Zabi, I mean, there are some names that are coming if Holloway's going to extend this reign at 145. But Rashad, before getting off of this fight, we have to talk about what would happen if the great Frankie Edgar did pull the upset. Because I like to say there's a difference here between being a legend, which Frankie Edgar, former lightweight champion, given us so many great wars, so much courage and heart. Already a legend. This is gravy. Congratulations on a great career. Frankie, see you in Vegas one day. But Tell me if I'm wrong here, Rashad. The difference between legend and all-time great upper room territory. And if Frankie wins on Saturday, straight up, he's a two-division champion and not a cheapened two-division champion where sometimes fighters move up one fight. GSP, for example, I'm not going to say that was cheapened, but you get what I mean. He (laughs) moved up to middleweight for one fight, fought an aging champion, and then walked away for good. So I only mean from the standpoint of it's hard to really judge who he was as a middleweight. Frankie Edgar's been fighting the best in featherweight for a long time now. What the heck do we do with him historically? I mean, this may move him up into a much higher tax bracket when you talk about the greatness in his career.
1: Absolutely. I think if he wins this fight, I think it goes to show, you know, the the legacy of Frankie Edgar and, and what he's been able to do. And I think it goes and puts him on the 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 scale or I guess the the same plateau as you would say some of the greats as the Demetrius Johnson, as the Daniel Cormier, as those those champ champs, you know what I'm saying? Those those guys who Who went out there and and continued to raise the bar of what it means to be a champion. You know, Frankie Edgar does have that, in my opinion, even without having the belt, because of the fact that, you know, he's been able to stay so competitive, even in the weight class once he dropped down. It's so hard to stay ranked as long as Frankie Edgar has been in the UFC. He's been in the, the top 10, the top five at 155, dropped down to 145, and he's been in the top five there his whole entire career there. So it's been, you know, a guy who has has may have not tasted the gold for the second time, but he's been putting in gold-winning performances.
0: No question about it. It's sort of a sneaky potential feel-good story. We love when the older guys have these giant moments. Manny Pacquiao winning a big pay-per-view fight this week, past weekend at 40. Daniel Cormier moving up to heavyweight. I love me some old guy action, especially a guy such a good guy as Frankie Edgar. But let's talk about what actually happens in that cage on Saturday night. Max Holloway, the favorite for a reason. I feel like if Frankie's going to win this fight, a lot of the breakdown you said makes a lot of sense. He's got to take the fight to the ground. But Max's takedown defense is some of the best we see in the UFC. And if this turns into a full-on boxing match for five rounds, Rashad, I have, I have trouble seeing Frankie get over that hill. I don't think he gets finished. But I think this is one of those clean, comfortable five-round wins for Max Holloway, where Frankie makes him work. But you know who's the taller, longer, younger at this moment, more superior fighter? When all is said and done, how do you see it?
1: Well, I, th- I think you have a lot of good points. You know, I think the biggest concern for me is the fact that you know Max, once he gets dangerously moving forward with those punching combinations, coupled with his reach and just his ability to fight with that free form, and 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 by free form, I mean just. Taking whatever the opponent throws at him and just throwing it back at him in a way that the opponent never sees coming. I I think Max has the ability to, um, to, to, to cause a lot of problems for Frankie just on the initial getting in. What I see Frankie being able to cause Max having some problems with getting to the ankles, that stop and go motion, um, just being so quick. I think those are the things that Frankie's gonna have to be able to do. Uh, with all that said, um, I think that Max is going to go out there and and uh, implement his game plan. You know, I, I love I love Frankie Edgar, and uh, I a big part of me is pulling for Frankie. A big part of me is pulling for Frankie. But if I'm just putting my analyst hat on here and, and not going with the whole friend thing, um, I, I would I would say that Max Max gets this one. Stoppage. Decision? Nah, I, I, mean, I would say I would say, I would say decision. I would say it's going to be I would say it's decision. I think that Frankie's going to be uh be able to contest and Frankie's going to be able to put some problems out there for Max uh hard problems for Max to solve. And I don't think Max is going to be able to solve them to the point where he finishes them. Uh, but I think that he, he will get a decision.
0: All right, we mentioned this was a top-heavy UFC 240 card this Saturday. That co-main event is very interesting when we look at former women's featherweight champion and one of the greatest fighters in MMA history, Chris Cyborg Justino. First fight back since losing her title to Amanda Nunez in December, taking on upstart Felicia Spencer. A lot of things going on around this fight, Rashad, when you look at the great Cyborg is on the last fight of her current UFC deal. With a win, does she come back and resign and get that rematch with Amanda Nunez, which would do big business and would really have a lot we could still learn from it? Or does she play the market, play the field, Go to Bellator, go pro boxing, go pro wrestling. She seems to have a lot of interest if you follow her on Twitter and really wants to see what her true value is. But to get there, she's got a challenger here who's never lost in the UFC, looked really good in that debut against Megan Anderson earlier this year and then called out Cyborg. You got her, Felicia Spencer, native of Montreal, in her home country here. How close on paper is this fight in your eyes?
1: it's it's a really close on paper but it's more close you know if you take a off paper you know the emotional content of the fight is is closer to me because of the simple fact that this is a cyborg have we've never seen before we've seen her you know being the dominant fighter who coming into a fight and having most of her opponents beat before she even enters the octagon but this is a different cyborg this is a cyborg who's coming off a loss a devastating loss at that now as somebody who's have suffered some devastating loss, the next fight is always the hardest fight. Now she's stepping in there with the Felicia Spencer, who's coming off a great debut and who is an invicted champion and who believes that she can win. Matter of fact, she called Cyborg out. So this is, this is, it's, it's, it's a different type of, of fight for Cyborg. You know, now, now she's once again, the hunted. And, you know, we seen what happened when she was a hunted before With Amanda Nunes, it didn't turn out so well. So for her, it's going to be, you know, a lot of overcoming that Amanda Nunes fight, a lot of overcoming those those skeletons in the closet that she had to deal with on an emotional level from those fights, you know, and and then to couple that off. With with the fact that, you know, she hasn't been on the best terms with the organization. She doesn't feel like she's getting the support from the UFC, you know, and she's been looking at the options outside of the UFC. So that, to me, spells a lot of discontent. That, to me, spells a lot of unfocusedness when it comes to the task at hand. You know, I, I I could be totally wrong. This could this could propel her to make her super super focused. But when you have so many of these things just coming together, to me it just creates the perfect storm.
0: Yeah, you you nailed what what are the the questions coming in that she's facing. I mean, let's not forget. We've never seen her have to do this. She lost her pro debut and then went on that incredible run as one of the pioneers or the pioneer, along with Gina Carano, of women's MMA. She lasted at the top level as the pound-for-pound queen for such a very long time before that loss. And even in that loss, if we're going to be honest, I mean, she lost to the greatest of all time and Amanda Nunez. But she also seemed to be lured into a brawl, not the finest hour from a game point game plan strategy in terms of that. So it's almost like you do want to see that rematch again to see what would happen if she fought a little bit differently. I will give her this credit, though, Rashad. I love watching how athletes respond to defeats, especially big-time stars in the fight game who have so much built up, so much confidence, so much you know aura and legacy around them. I always say this about Conor McGregor. His, how we handle that loss to Nate Diaz the first time around at UFC 196. People should watch a video on that in terms of, of saying the right things, having the right mindset, wanting to come right back into a rematch. What I saw in Los Angeles in December covering that fight, UFC 232, Cyborg was as humble and honest and open. She went to the press conference afterwards, you know, and you never know if somebody gets flushed out in one round like that, or do they want to face the truth, face the media. She willingly and openly did that and said, look, like, I wasn't trying to go undefeated. I lost my pro debut. I was just trying to be the best. I got caught in a brawl. I tried to win it. I lost. I'm going to come back even stronger. So having seen that, it does give me confidence into who she is entering this fight. But there's a lot of unknowns on the flip side about Felicia Spencer. She was just the most recent Invicta featherweight champion. Cyborg, the first ever Invicta featherweight champion. So a little bit of odd Invicta history there. But do we really know how good Spencer is? Does... Felicia Spencer know how good she actually is. Are we going to say bye, Felicia, on Saturday, or is this the beginning (laughs) of a new player in this division and maybe Cyborg taking a step out? A lot to think about here.
1: Absolutely, and Felicia Spencer is somebody people should definitely get excited for. I mean, when it comes to jujitsu in a game and top pressure, and, you know, I think that she stands... Uh, Head and shoulders above a lot of women in the division just because of the fact that when she gets women to the ground, she puts a pressure on that, that you, you, you rarely see in women's MMA. And not only does she put the pressure on top, she has great control to land some devastating ground and pound and her ground and pound is devastating as well, too. So these are aspects where, where where we really don't see cyborg in, you know, we've we got some, we got her going against someone who can take her down to the ground and put her into a whole world where we, we haven't really seen her, you know, uh, at, you know, and, and now we have somebody who can dominate her in that area. So it's going to be, uh, interesting to see how does she respond to that? How does she respond to, you know, having someone with, with such a, a strong, uh, level of, of grappling over her you know so normally in, in cyborg fights, you know she's she's the dominant one in almost every aspect of of, of the fight and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how Felicia Spencer is able to implement that very dominating heavy style grappling game and the, and then here's another thing she's she's excited. She's excited to be there. She wants to be there. She's got that newness in her eyes. When a young athlete has that newness on their eyes and you're the next in line, you better watch out and you better bring a little extra intensity just to deal with that alone because they haven't experienced what, 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 you know, what cyborg experienced or, or anyone in that position have experienced yet. So for them, it's, it's the biggest moment of their life and they're coming with that uh, energy.
0: You just nailed that part, because if we're honest about Cyborg's run in the UFC, there hasn't been people that have gone out of their way to want to fight her. There's been a lot of people pulling out due to injuries or just outright avoiding her. I mean, Jermaine Durand to me, for whatever reason uh, you want to say in the end, whether it was fear of, of improper drug testing or not, she gave up the title to avoid fighting Cyborg. So it's different when you're fighting a Tanya Evinger, a Yana Kunitskaya, if I pronounce that correctly, who are just sort of there because they got the opportunity and there's no one else. Felicia Spencer actually looks like somebody who's hungry, has skills, wants to be there. But you nailed one key part. You, you never want to call Cyborg a front runner because she's not, but she's been in the front running away from most of her opponents throughout her career, typically in boxing matches inside the cage. I can't even remember the last time, Rashad, I've seen Cyborg's takedown defense or, or let alone her... Her grappling game be a part of the narrative. I mean, am I missing uh, in my short memory here recent times that somebody's tried to expose her on the ground? I don't. I I can't remember somebody even getting to that point.
1: No, you're you're absolutely right. And then when she has been on the ground, sometimes those exchanges haven't always, you know, gone her way. Meaning the fact that her positioning hasn't always been what it should have been to get out of those exchanges. Sometimes she just kind of gets gets out because she's strong. You know, and I'm not trying to take anything away from her game, but if there is one aspect of Cyborg's game, it would be the grappling. And 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 I've always said that. So now she's with somebody who can grapple at that level, and it's going to be a tough test for her. But I, I think the biggest test for her is just being able to harness her emotions in order to get that performance that we're used
0: to seeing from her. Uh, quick sidebars. Rashad, in your heart of hearts, at peak Ronda Rousey, like peak, like blowing through, I don't know, Gano in four and a half seconds, whatever it was. If they had made that super fight and found a middleweight, who would have won that, Cyborg or Rousey back then, when when basically Rousey had that one thing that we're saying, we don't see Cyborg have to defend?
1: Yeah, I, you know, I would I would definitely have to say um, it's close. It's close. It's really close because at that point, Rousey's stand-up wasn't what it was towards the end that made her really confident, but one thing that was good is that clutch on the ground? Her knowing how to find a submission anywhere you put it. So with that said, I would I would have to say a young Rousey who who really really believed in herself. The young Rousey who That's believed in bad. herself was was how how dangerous was a young Rousey who believed in herself? She was super dangerous.
0: That is true. Coach Edmund to the house. Wow. Yes. All right. Uh, Rashad, interesting bit of note here. Felicia Spencer is going to pull the upset. Her coach, and you're telling me in my ear, is the silverback himself. Ooh. Seth Petroselli of pink hair fame of knocking out Kimbo Slice with a jab and Gus Johnson saying the biggest upset in martial arts history. Gus, you can take that L, uh, on CBS. You can take that <laughs> L back in the day. But, uh, hey, maybe Seth, you know, maybe he whispers in the air. You know, he's been here before, I think.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, listen, you know, she's got a great coach in Seth Petrozelli and, and Seth is, you know, phenomenal with his with stand-up. And, and he understands the grappling game as well, too. And she has great toolage there. But at the same time, you know, Chris Cyborg is coming yes. back. And I think that this Cyborg that we see... Um even with all of the things that I said before with with all of the the distractions that she may have coming into this fight, I think that those distractions are not gonna hinder her, and they're gonna actually propel her and I think they're gonna they're gonna make her go out there and fight a fight that we all can remember um that that, and that and that's the thing that I like most about cyborg is that you know she has that that ability to face herself. you know how hard it is as an athlete. When when you when you set the stage like a, a cyborg, and then you have that stumble, and then you have people saying everything they say about you, and then to have to get back on that and face yourself—that right there is the fight. For that, I commend her so much, and for that, I believe she's gonna win.
0: I mean, Rashad, you you came off of that title knockout loss to Machida, and correct me if I'm wrong—you went right into the rampage fight, right?
1: It was a Tiago Silva fight and then a Rampage fight, but those are two tough fights to have, you know, hop back into. And both of those fights, I experienced a moment in the third round where I almost lost both of those fights, and I remember the feeling that I had right when it happened in the third round. Oh no, not again, not again! And that's and that's the trauma that happens when you when you when you when you have these fights where you get knocked out in devastating fashion. You feel good, and then it's the moment in the fight where you get caught. And then all of a sudden, you start to have these flashbacks of what happened last fight. And you're like, oh not again, not again, not again. And then that's when you yeah. can go into a shell.
0: Well, how this one breaks out, I got to go with Cyborg here. I wonder if Felicia Spencer's confidence sometimes can play against you. Sometimes it could lead to your exit if you take chances, if you maybe don't respect what's across the way coming back at you as much. I just feel like for Cyborg, Yeah, she may have options outside the cage. I hope she gets a chance to really cash in. She's been a great ambassador for this sport. But to me, the fight in terms of legacy is running Amanda Nunez, the greatest of all time, back. And Rashad potentially beating her. So you can say, hey, Amanda, you're fantastic. People thought you were the greatest of all time for a short season, but I've always been the greatest and I'm going to prove it to you. To me, if that's ahead of her on the highway, looking out at the distance, She's going to focus. She's going to take care of Felicia Spencer, and she's going to resign and come back. That's me talking for her, but that's what I'd like to see.
1: I, I, I totally agree, and, and and what you said is pretty much the way I, I think, because the simple fact is this. There's not that many blockbuster fights for this women division, and now you have two great athletes in Amanda Nunez and another in Chris Cyborg, where we can put them back together again and have another great fight, but I think that Chris Cyborg's story needs to be told. more. I think that people need to understand who Chris Cyborg is. And I think if they got behind her with a little bit of media, with a little bit of press and really got people to learn about who this person is, because you don't really know who Chris Cyborg is. No one really knows who Chris Cyborg is. I got a chance to uh, hang out with her a couple of times and get to spend some time with her. And I was kind of blown away because she was one of the sweetest persons that I ever met in my life. And it was, and I, and I was blown away because I, 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 didn't, I didn't see it. I didn't see it coming. So I think that if they got behind her more, told her story, I think they would get a different response on how much people would uh, receive her and how much they can actually package and sell her.
0: Absolutely. I feel like there's almost like a Fedor aura with her, but the closer we can get to her, the more you see of her, the more you like. So those are the two big ones. Let's check out the rest of this main card with our picks here, Rashad. Um, Give me one reason to stay here, or I'll turn right back around. Give me a fight I should care about this Saturday on UFC 240. Check it out right there.
1: Okay, okay, I I like that the Neil and and the uh, the price fight. I think that's going to be a a great a great fight. You know, Uh, um, both of these guys, they they both have a lot of squabble in them. You know, I've been Nico Price is, is one of those guys who. Who definitely, who definitely has has a lot of star potential, and then you have GF, Jeff Neal, who is is one of those guys who's on a, what five fight win streak. I mean, this this guy's definitely got big opportunity, huge opportunity.
0: Absolutely, I mean, buried on this preliminary card. I don't hate that flyweight bout, by the way, Pantoja against Davison Figueroa. Uh, that that should be some some high flying on the ground if you will if that made any sense probably didn't but that's our <laughs> UFC 240 preview coming at you from the great Hall of Famer himself Sugar Rashad Evans I'm Brian Campbell as always if you're watching the video version of this check out our State of Combat podcast every week on CBS Sports separate episodes for boxing mixed martial arts and pro wrestling you won't want to miss it uh, Rashad you got any message for the people heading into 240
1: here uh, no 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 message just um, be ready to watch the phenomenal Max Holloway get down with Frankie Edgar I think that is going to be a phenomenal fight uh, I, it's hard to pick a winner in that fight to be honest you know I'm a Frankie Egger fan and you know I, a big part of me is pulling for Frankie man but uh, it's, it's going to be a good
0: one it's going to be worth watching maybe some old guy magic we will find out thanks so much for watching this state of combat coming at you in your ear hole this time on camera enjoy thank you